it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today I'm joined by former Washington quarterback Brad Johnson as we discuss his career in Washington, his thoughts on quarterback Brian Fitzpatrick, and his TikTok stardom. Check out his trick shots on TikTok and to be honest, I saw it on Instagram, so you can probably check it out there as well. Also, I have some quick practice report notes. It was more scout team work for Baltimore on Saturday, and they weren't in full, they weren't in pads. But there are still a few things to discuss. Don't forget to check out my work on ESPN.com. We'll have a 53-man roster projection that hits, I believe, that hits the site on Sunday. The final cuts have to be made Tuesday by 4 o'clock. I'm not sure yet, as far as the game goes, I'm not sure yet how much starters are going to play. Ron Rivera was a little bit tight-lipped on that one. But one clue today was that Ryan Fitzpatrick did not take any reps and Taylor Heineke was working with the ones when during the scout team stuff. For those worried about the quarterback and the timing and what you get out of the preseason games, when you talk to these guys, I know in the past these guys played a lot. Some of it was you're getting into shape and there were, you know, they didn't have as many offseason workouts as they do now. And so they, with the feeling that you get from people is that the value of the preseason is going through the quote unquote the operation. When you talk to Fitzpatrick, it was, not about timing with the receivers in the game because you might get one throw with the guy in a game. You might get, um, you might not be able to work on red zone situations because, which is what you want because you may not be in the red zone. So the, what they really value from that is going through the process. And like, even for Fitzpatrick, it was getting used to looking at the play clock at FedEx field. Where is that? Then it was getting used to hearing Scott Turner in the headset, adjust, making adjustments with him during the game or, you know, at the end of quarter, whatever. Those are the kind of things that they talk about, especially for a guy like Fitzpatrick who's been around. Now, we'll see what happens if the season starts. It, it's very possible this offense doesn't start as fast because there are new parts to it, and it will take a little bit of time. I don't know that you can say that it would be better if they all play in the preseason because, again, they're not working a lot of things, but we'll see. And, and But I, the trend has been away from the starters and, you know, I know I talked to some old-time guys who do not like that at all because they felt like there was a lot of value to the preseason and just getting hit and, and getting used to being in pads on the field, full speed, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll see. Anyway, I know there are a lot of fringe guys that they want to get some work in too. And I think with one less preseason game, that's partly why you won't see a guy like Fitzpatrick and maybe some other starters. And I think one guy they really want to get a good look at is Antonio Gandy-Golden. They've liked his camp. He's not a lock, nor should he be. But if he has a good game, he makes it much harder to move on from him. I think the key is, and he'll be part of that discussion, do you keep six or seven receivers? If you keep six, and one of them is DeAndre Carter as a returner, makes it harder to keep Gandy Golden. If it's seven, then you can keep them both. But I think you know that, that will be a discussion. I, I, I've had him on my 53. I do not feel like it's a lock at all. So, But I think if he has a good game, it probably is. Um, I also know they've received calls from teams about various players and trades. Don't know who, 
I think there are some guys that they that they really like that teams have called about. It doesn't mean they're going to trade them. It just means that team's calling them. I and mean, then keep in mind, every team is calling every other team at this point. So if you hear they've had discussions, well, you know, take it for what it's worth because every team is having them. I've been talking about receiver Curtis Samuel for a bit and his groin injury and how it wasn't a big they, – they never felt like it was a huge deal. And Scott Turner, the offensive quarter, said today what I've been saying. They want to make sure the guy is 100% healthy before he returns to the field and is in good shape. So that way he doesn't miss any more any games in a regular season. I think right now, you know, yes, you want him out there working. Yes, you want him – again, I go back to the time. You want him getting in sync with, with Ryan Fitzpatrick. They haven't, it's not like they throw a lot together because he's not even going through individual drills, throwing with the quarterbacks. So you want that. But what you really want is for him to get to be available. And he missed a couple months because of that groin. And when you're dealing with a soft tissue injury, the smartest, smart, smartest thing is to take your time. Make sure that you're 1,000% okay with it because those things can – it's easy to tear them again and to have, then make it a much bigger issue. With William Jackson, don't have a great update on him because, again, they don't – Ron Rivera's not giving a whole lot out now. Um, I do know I watched him run a little bit on the side field today, running at about three-quarters – maybe a little bit less than that speed. He'd run up one way about 40 yards and lightly jog back. Looked okay, but again, he wasn't going full speed, wasn't turning on the jets, wasn't making sharp cuts. Make sure he's ready as well. If you're worried about Samuel fitting in with the offense, um, yes, I could see it taking a little bit of time with Fitzpatrick again, but I also think the coaches will put him in spots and create opportunities for him as well. One of the benefits for this staff is that they have worked with him. They know what he can do and what he's capable of. One thing Turner told me, which surprised me a little bit because I didn't know this, but Samuel and J.D. McKissick are two of the smartest players he's ever coached. So that bodes well for working Samuel back in into the various spots they want to get him in the game at. And it may not be a big change for what he did in Carolina, um, but it will be a change for those around him. There still needs to be some level of timing that develops. With McKissick, I know the big talk is around Antonio Gibson and what he might be able to do this year, and I think it, I, I'm a big fan of his. But I also think McKissick plays such a vital role that he might cut into some of what Gibson's productivity would be otherwise. I don't know how much, but I know they're not about to shove McKissick aside. They really like him a lot. For those wondering about tight end Samus Reyes, my guess is that he will make the roster. He's considered and he, I think there's some here who would consider him their best blocking tight end. So when you if, when you know that or you hear that, then it's like, okay, now you can start looking at him a little bit differently. He's certainly, he's certainly very physical. And I still have a wonder about him blocking the move, but I think in line, I think that's where he offers you something right now. So there you go. One thing that has been discussed a lot with Ron Rivera is keeping guys who can help you win right now versus guys that can help you maybe more long-term. How do you balance that? Um, and that's something that, to be honest, a lot of times when there's a, a coach who is in charge of the roster as a GM, a lot of times they're going to make the mistake of, I need a guy right now who can help me versus, you know what, maybe this guy is better for the first half of the season, but in the second half and beyond, this other guy's better. Well, they're going to take that other, you know, more often than not, the head, co head coach might offer the guy right now. I don't care about eight months from now. I care about right now. Well, Rivera seems to be doing a good job of looking, being able to look down the road. They're not, and here's why, they're not in a must-win year. They have taken the long-term view since Rivera arrived, and it's why they didn't force a quarterback last offseason. They tried for a guy they really liked him, Matthew Stafford, didn't mortgage the future for a guy right now 
in terms for the draft because they don't feel like they're yet desperate. They wanted to build and build the right way. I think this is part of it. So I think that's like maybe in a year that that philosophy might be a little bit different. They may not take the long view with certain guys because you know, hey, now it's time to win. But right now they still know they're in that they have the ability to keep building the way they want to build. Okay, that's it for me. After this break, I'll be back with my conversation with former Washington quarterback Brad Johnson. What's the one place he always wanted to stay? Hey, folks, would you like free tickets for the preseason game against the Baltimore Ravens? Well, you're in luck because our sponsor, Prosper Insurance, is giving a ticket to anyone who gets a home and auto quote with them. You don't even have to buy a policy to get the free ticket although the savings will absolutely make you want to switch today. Finding the right insurance can be a pain, but Prosper makes the process easy, all while providing great service and advice. Their licensed advisors shop the market with top companies like Allstate, Nationwide, Progressive, Travelers, and more to find you the perfect coverage at a great rate, which is just a few of the many reasons why Prosper has over 1,000 five-star reviews on Google. You have nothing to lose. Simply visit prosper.insurance slash kime to get your quote and a free ticket to the Baltimore preseason game on August 28th. That's prosper.insurance slash kime, K-E-I-M, no.com. Get ready to feel good about your insurance. Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with former Washington quarterback Brad Johnson. Guess what? His son might be the starting quarterback for LSU. And now I'm joined by Brad Johnson, who had one of the best years of, by a quarterback in the time that I've covered this organization. Went on to win a Super Bowl, a lot of success. And Brad, now you're watching your son play at LSU. What's that like? Max, he's, he's now he's heading into a second year at LSU. Last year he got to play in some games as a backup. And then I uh, started the last two games against um, Florida and the Swamp. They won. They were 23 and a half point underdogs. Yeah. They beat Ole Miss in a shootout, and, and I've coached him pretty much out of the womb. I coached all his middle school teams and high school teams, and then now I'm a, I'm a dad sitting in the stands eating popcorn. I got no control of the game and just kind of going to be there as a, as a support for him. And uh, It's pretty wild. He wears the number 14. He's a lefty. There you go. So I don't know how all that happened, but, uh, but it's pretty fun mm-hmm. just to watch my son now. And you're coaching quarterbacks, too, in high school, aren't you? Right. We're at a Coney County High School in Athens, Georgia. Uh Went to the state championship last two years in a row. We lost in two heartbreak games oh. and didn't quite get it done, you know what I mean? But I have fun coaching. Sometimes I'm the water boy and equipment guy <laughs> and all those kind of things to kind of know my role. It's high school football, so I just kind of enjoy that. You know, it's funny because a lot of guys end up coaching high school ball. They want to coach, but they don't necessarily want to coach in the NFL and put up with the lifestyle that the NFL requires. Did you ever think about coaching beyond that, or do you just say, I, this is the level I want to be at? When I got done, I'd been 17 years in the NFL. Um, my kids were like four and six years old at that time, Max and Jake. And we live in Athens, Georgia. I really just want to be with my kids, to be honest with you. Uh, coach all the youth football team. One year I had uh, five different basketball teams and two different football teams in the same year. So I was just living wow. in gym, ball fields and those kind of things. And now just a volunteer coach at the high school. But I did not want to get into TV. I uh, didn't want to travel every weekend and feel the pressure of commentating on games. And then I really didn't want to get into coaching and worry about getting fired. I really just want to coach my kids and enjoy my family life. And then become a TikTok star. 
That's right. That's right. I've had had a lot of fun with uh, uh, I call my it's Big Bad Brad fourteen. Do a lot of trick shots and kind of put them out there for everybody and can, to enjoy. It gets me a lot of exercise though, so I have fun doing it and just kind of kind of kill some time too. Well, what's the story behind these trick shots? Because I mean they're not easy, right? I played basketball growing up as a as a in North Carolina. I was a three uh, A player of the year in North right. Carolina. Played two years in college and. And I can put together somehow. I just have fun doing these things. When I growing up, all I did was skills and drills and try to kill. Hmm. I, mean, I just wanted. To, I mean, it was all about. I would never do a hook shot or never try a trick shot. It was all about trying to win a game. Things that would happen in a game. Now I just try to get some exercise with it, and it may be a spin off my finger, it may be over the backboard, it may be trying to throw a football full court length, and but usually it's like a three or four shot sequence kind of thing. It's never just a one shot right deal or edited. So I have fun doing it and see if I can actually do it. Uh, I've done six or seven of them. I haven't been able to accomplish. <laughs> and I walk <laughs> off. I walk off. I, actually, I did one today. I was out there for about two hours, and I, I left in a pure sweat. But I, I'm close, <laughs> so close. But it's a lot of pressure on that last shot to hit it. If you don't make it, then you got to go back to the drawing board. Well, you had the one. The first one I saw was I think you spun it and shot it, and then you threw the football down too. Yeah, yeah. Usually, will be a three or four shot sequence. Whatever the whatever the order is, I like to right. kind of finish it off with a football throw the length of the court and try to make it into the bucket. And how hard is that? Um, it's it's pressure. I mean, I, I <laughs> kind of lick my fingers and try to <laughs> try to make it. But I have fun with it, and it just kind of it keeps me busy and keep me active. But it's 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 not just easy. It's it's going to be something that if you're going to go out there and try it, you're going to either have to be lucky or be really really good at it. Are you, are, do you get a kick out of because, like, you know, you you won a Super Bowl. You played quarterback in the NFL for a long time. And now you have people knowing you as a TikTok guy. It really is funny. We were at the Hall of Fame this past weekend. Uh, I was up here with John Lynch and Tampa Bay Bucks, And, and uh, everywhere I walked, is like, man, there you are. There's a TikTok guy. There's a TikTok <laughs> guy, man. You know, what, what, and I always say, which one's your favorite one? You know, so – it, it's kind of gone around. I put it on Twitter and Instagram and all that kind of stuff. And I think people are kind of getting to kind of see some stuff. I'm 50. I'm, I'm turning 53 next month. So yeah. trying to stay active, but uh, it's kind of neat to kind of show off some of those skills. So you played till you were 40. Washington has a quarterback now, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's 38 years old and is having, I don't, I wouldn't say a career similar to yours because you, you got yours was different, but there's a journey where you're progressing as you get older. What do you – how much have you been able to watch him and what have you thought about the journey that he's been on? Yeah, I actually played against um, Ryan when he was in St. Louis his first year I, when I was in Minnesota, played okay. against him. I've had a couple of people that have played with him, especially when he was younger, way more athletic than you would think. Right. Uh, very, very strong arm, very deceiving, deceptive um, speed-wise and just athleticism kind of thing. His career, he's, he's put up, you know, it's amazing. Like, you think of a guy like Steve DeBerg, played a long, right. long time, threw for a lot of yards and played some other great quarterbacks. I, Ryan's kind of similar kind of career in a, in, a, in a similar way, in a weird way, but been on a bunch of different teams. He's played a bunch of football, extremely smart, um, won a bunch of games. And then, you know, it, it's neat that he gets another opportunity to be a starter again, you know. So he's, he's earned that right. He's won some big games, and his biggest thing is be able to, you know, can you lead a team the whole season? Right. And can you win playoff games? That's where you earn your money as a quarterback. You got to win playoff games, and uh, he has that talent. And, and you know, I'm sure he's grateful to get another opportunity. 
How hard is it though to compete when you keep getting to that stage to feel like, cause he says that he's feel like he feels like he's playing his best ball of his career. How hard is it to be at that age and to be able to say that? Cause it's, you know, I mean, that's, it's not, it's not easy. Right. I do think with the off season programs that they've done, guys can kind of get themselves in shape. Okay. To be honest with you, they, you're not wearing, you're not wearing a tearing in March and April. You kind of, you can kind of get yourself ready throughout the course of the season to be ready for even training camps aren't as hard as they used to be. You right. know what I mean? They're, right. they're really they're not definitely. long five week two days. I mean, so right. you kind of, you can be in shape and be ready for it, not be worn down. Okay. Um, he keeps himself in great shape. His arm can throw all day. He'll be able to throw to at least 50 or 60 also. So, but he's a guy that can make, he can make a lot of plays. The biggest thing is you get older or you've been through a lot of transitions, having someone believe in you. That's right. the biggest thing. Have the opportunity. Sometimes I tell people it's harder to have a chance to be the starter than it is to be successful when you are the starter. Cause it's just, how are you going to get the opportunity? Someone to believe in you to be the guy, especially at that age, especially but, at that age. Yeah. Yes. But he's, he's on a, I think they're in a great situation. Uh, you got Mark Mayhew there now as a general manager and, Ron Rivera, you got a team that that made the playoffs last year. It wasn't the way you want to get in, but right. they, they won. I think they saw a recipe for success, for success with Alex Smith. But you can win a lot of different ways. And I think Ryan will bring – he's an explosive player now. He can throw for a lot of yards. He can throw for a lot of touchdowns. Sometimes he might have a crazy game where he turns it over. And he's had that. It's been well documented. But he can win a lot of games for you too now. So I, I'm excited for, for him, you know. Yeah, and you were you considered yourself a late bloomer, but to me, late bloomer just means you keep grinding and you finally get your chance. Did you, did you, did it almost like that, or did you just feel like, hey, every year you're learning something that improves your game in addition to grinding? Well, when I, when I say late bloomer, I was a basketball player. I wanted to go mm-hmm. to college to play basketball, and I actually played two years, but I was right. I, I just didn't, I wasn't taught the way kids are taught now in middle school. Of, okay three and five step drops. All I could do was chunk a ball. You know what I mean? I didn't have a passion for the game. As I got later in my college career and then in my pros, that's when I kind of developed my passion for the game and developed my skill set and knowledge of the game. But, but for Ryan, he just, you know, he was grinding to get an opportunity uh, from, from the get go. And he's had, you know, he's had a bunch of opportunities to play to start for all these teams he's been on, but he's done well at the same time. But the cool thing for him, obviously he's been in every system you can imagine is how he will collaborate with Scott Turner. Right. And uh, I mean, he's a quick learner. He's smart. So that part of it will be pretty good. It's just a matter of them being on the same page as far as like Ryan and I saying, this is what I did with the Jets, or this is what I did with the Dolphins, or this is what I did in Tampa. And them kind of collaborate what's best for his game and for what they need from him at the quarterback position for, for that particular team they got this year. And you played for Scott's dad in 99 had a great year. And it's funny because I don't know if you remember if Scott was tied to the goalpost that summer or not. But first yeah. of all, did you know? Do you remember Scott from back then? Did you ever? Did you have much interaction with him? Yeah, I did. Um, he was a young kid. He was in high school trying to win a starting job. Yeah, I remember he'd be on the back of the bus with Charlie Castro, and, they, and Scott would be like, "Why'd you pick this guy? Why'd you do this?" <laughs> in those conversations, like he loved football. You knew he was going to be a coach. Um, he had deep conversations with, <laughs> well, you know, what are we doing on this particular play? And, you know, obviously got great knowledge from his dad. And, you know, you knew he was going to be a successful coach at, that, at an early age. That was in his destiny. So, Did, did you like that style? Because I know that things evolved. What, what they ran in 99 and 2000 is going to be evolved in 2021. But there's a, there's a shell to that 
that offense. Did you like playing in that offense? I love playing in the North system. I, I think it fit me great. Um, I feel like I'm a play-action kind of guy. I was, I was one of the last quarterbacks to ever take every snap of the season in 2003 underneath center. So mm. I feel like I was a better guy underneath center than shotgun was kind of coming into play late in my career. I don't know if that was my comfort level, but I felt like I was a great play-action guy. North system would let you – we had some great runners, Stephen Davis and Skip Hicks. And so I felt like that was my game, heavy run dose, take, take a lot of shots, hit the check downs when you needed them. And uh, so I felt it was a great fit. The game has evolved. The game has changed completely different from then. Uh, didn't know what RPO was. Right. At that time, we were just running the play that was called. Then you get into full field reads. Then you get into audibles and kill packages, check packages, and and then being all around that also. So the game is – you know, it's, it's changed quite a bit. Sure, and it's but there, like I said, there's a shell of that system, and it, was, it did allow you to attack downfield. And you know, it's I think Ryan seems to like that aspect of this offense as well. He Ryan's got an arm. He he likes to take chances. He likes to sling it. You do have to change the field. You do have to change the field. You do. You always want to think you want to win the game by passing it, especially early, get the lead, and then be able to run the clock out in the, in the second half, be able to pound the rock, and then kind of pick and choose when you want to throw it, you know, those kind of things. So I think Ryan's with, with their, with their defense, they're going to be in just about every game. Right. You really feel like they are. And I feel like his play kind of my, honestly, it might, it kind of reminds me of when, when Rex Grossman was with Chicago bears, mm. Rex, they went to the super bowl. They had a tremendous defense and Rex was the kind of quarterback that would take a lot of chances. And if he made some mistakes or turn it over, it didn't kill the team because they could get a lot of stops. Right. So I actually I feel like this might be a good fit for, for the way Ryan plays, the way Scott will play call it. And they got a chance to have, you know, be a pretty good team. How much did you look back on that Super Bowl year and what did that and what does that still mean to you? It's incredible. I mean, it, it validates that, you know, when you come in the league, they say you got, you know, you're graded on can you win a Super Bowl? And then not long can you get there, you got to win it. It's hard to get there, it's hard to win it when you're there too. And so I was on the right team. Right. Play, got hot at the right time. But I felt like there's three or four other teams I was on too, that we were in the playoffs or whatever. We just didn't accomplish the goal of winning it. It's hard to, it's hard to win a game in the national football league. It's hard to get to the playoffs. And then not long win two, three, and then maybe you have to win four games to win the whole thing. But, you know, I felt like it validated my career that um, I could lead a team be the best team in the world, be the best quarterback in the world for that moment. Led the NFC in passing that year. Um, probably didn't get a lot of notoriety or credit for because of the defense that we had defense in Tampa. Good, but, yeah. but if you look at the points that we scored and the way we scored and then the way we closed games out, a lot of times you wouldn't get a lot of stats with right. the way Gruden called the plays in the second half because we'd have leads and then you kind of grind it out. So you might throw for 180 yards in the first half and throw for 30 in the second, just closing it out. So – it was an awesome opportunity to say that you were a world champion and uh, to put that in your resume. Did you think that 99 team could have done something like that? My first year? The, the, yeah, the first year in Washington, yeah. You know, the, the year before when I got there, they had 63 sacks. Right. And I asked the first thing, Norm, I said, what, what, how's our line play? He said, Brad, don't worry. We're going to have it handled. And that next year, I don't know what we do. We're, we're less than half of that. Right, but we we that team was a, a team on the rise, and it wasn't a Super Bowl kind of. That wasn't that team was trying to get an identity, and we, we ended up going ten and six, 
won the division that year. I beat San Fran to on a Sunday night game, which was uh, in overtime. Yeah. Uh, to win it was, it was awesome. Then we had a game to close out with the Dolphins. And then we won our first playoff game with uh, at Detroit at home. And then we lost to Tampa in a crazy game down there. But that was a, that was a fun, fun year for a lot of guys on the team trying to give an identity right. to a lot of our careers. And then just for, for an organization that hadn't won in a long time, to be honest with you. It had been a long time since they had made the playoffs and right. that kind of thing. So it's, it's a kind of a fun year. So it's a fun year. And then they go and bring in – the owner, Dan Snyder, wanted Jeff George to come in, too. For a guy who comes off the year you did, you know, at the time, what did it feel like? And when you look back now, what do you think? They were trying to make every move. Um, they obviously brought in, you know, Deion Sanders and Bruce Smith and the list of everybody that came in. You know right. what I mean? So those are moves you want to make. You really do. And, you know, we just didn't get it done. Right. Didn't get it done. That, that's all you can say. And then – there was a lot of division probably between ownership and coach and who should be playing or what they should be doing or what we should be accomplishing. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not just the game of etch a sketch and, <laughs> and just, you're just going to win games. You, you have to build a chemistry, build a team kind of thing, and then you got to win and produce. And we just didn't, we didn't produce the way we needed to that year, but there was a lot of, it seemed like there's just turmoil and division, right. From almost from the get go, right. you know? And I remember just, yeah, I remember in training camp, I remember every scout from every team. Because <laughs> it was open. Because they were camp. able to come. Yeah. Training camp was open. So we charged, we charged money. Charged money, and they yeah. could come and, you know, you can learn every play if you want to, if you want to sit there for 50 practices. You know what I mean? So and I think they did. Slow start. Slow start. We wanted to. And then, you know, we finished the season. Um, eight and eight. I think we finished the season eight and eight. Yeah. And Norv got fired. Norv got fired. Yeah. It was, I think it's the second time. And, maybe 50 years or something that a head coach had gotten fired at that time with a winning record. You know what I mean? Correct. Yep. They probably, Norv had been there a while. There's probably some division as far as what should have been accomplishment, what we should have accomplished that year. I, I love playing for Norv Turner. He stuck up for me and I'm grateful for the opportunity that I got to play for him. And I'm, I'm 100% believer in Norv Turner. No doubt about that. And if I recall, and you know, I don't want to put you on the spot, but if I recall, you did go into Dan's office during the spring and had a little chat with him about after the Jeff George thing and, you know, about your future and all that. Did you remember that? And uh, it wasn't about Jeff George. No, okay. it was not about Jeff George. We, we talked about some stuff about contract wise. Basically, if I said, if we didn't get it done by a certain period of time, I wasn't going to sign. Okay. And uh, so we had some, we had some, we had, we'd had some negotiation talks that, that took place, but, you know, Charlie Cassidy wasn't there, the guy that traded right. for me. And so they were they were in a change. And um, so it, did, it didn't happen. The, the other thing I remember, too, and, may, and, and I don't know what your memory of this is, the last game that you were here, because you knew at that point you were gone. So the last game, Larry Centers needs seven catches to get a $250,000 bonus. There you go. Because I remember Rick Snyder and I were talking to you, I think it was on that Friday, and right. Rick, Rick knew about that. And the funny thing is, like, you left the game after he had five catches and Todd Husak on the last series, I think it is, gets him two balls. But do you remember that? And, like, was that, was that a big point of emphasis, that game? Yeah, we were going to make the playoffs that year. Right. Last game of the season, I, was, I, I got to start again. Ended up being a seven and four on the team that went eight and eight. You right. Know? But that was Larry Sanders. Larry Sanders is an unbelievable player. Ended up winning the Super Bowl with the Patriots later on. 
Yeah. Um, he needed a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember talking to him about the walkthrough before. I think we were supposed to run nickel 40, which is basically a draw at the end of the half. Right. And uh, I said, hey, dude, I'm not going to hand it to you. I'm going to give you a little shuffle pass. <laughs> and so was a, I gave him, I think, one or two right at the end of the half. And I think yep. Todd Huzak, he gave him one maybe at the end of the game. So, but well-deserved for Larry, man. I mean, you know, in the, the season, but he, he caught all those balls and tremendous playmaker and, you know, guys at that point, not usually those things don't come into play, but at that point, that at that time of the game, then, yeah, good for right. him. And, you know, the funny thing is, too, Brad, like Marty Schottenheimer, Schottenheimer comes in the next year. It seems like you would have been a good coach or good player quarterback for a guy like that, and that team could have done something more. I don't know if you ever look back and think of it like that, but but I kind of look at that and think, you know, you would have been a good fit with him. Yeah, Mar Marty did reach out and see if I wanted to come back. So there was there was a chance I could have come back. Okay. But at that point, we had made a decision. It, it was just time for, for everybody to move on. Marty needed to come in with a new start. I had a lot of respect for him. And and uh, but it just it's just time we we moved on and separated ways. There, there wasn't any hard feelings. That's part of the moves you make in, in football. For me, I had to make a personal decision, a business decision. Sure. I felt like I needed to go where somewhere where it was just a better fit overall. And it seemed like and Correct me if I'm wrong, though, but you and – I mean, it was was it awkward for you and Jeff? And I don't remember necessarily being clashes with you guys, but was it awkward? You know, Jeff and I got along really well. Yeah, that's what really I remember. Did. There was respect. He had been in Minnesota. He came in after I did. We had a lot of the same uh, relationships with the people in Minnesota, a lot of common things to talk about. So Jeff and I really never had any conflict. I mean, obviously, somebody's got to play. Somebody's got to right. start. I think after we went six and three, we had a Monday night game. I had a I had an injury. I had right. an MCL, a sprained my MCL. So I was out for three weeks, three or four weeks maybe. And then I came back and played against the Giants. And then that's when North Turner got fired. Right. And then then Jeff played the rest of the season. I played the last game of the season. But no, Jeff and I got along well. There wasn't any conflict between us at all. What you know, it's funny because like I look at this franchise, and one of the reasons I want to reach out to you too is because it's been so hard for this franchise to find that guy. And I don't even know what the question is necessarily because you could have been that guy for a while. I mean, how hard is it, you know, when you're trying to, in a situation like that, like, again, do you look back and say, I could, we could have built something there had they given us that opportunity? Yeah. I, you, you know, I really, that was one place I would have wanted to stay. Mm -hmm. I've always, I've always told my wife, Nikki and, close friends. I, I wish it would have worked out in Washington. It was just a, it was a childhood favorite team of mine yeah. growing up as a kid. Had a great first year there. It was, you know, ended up going, um, I don't know, had a, had a winning record there, 7-4 yeah. and 10-6, whatever that's 17 and what? I don't 17, know, 17 and 10. Yeah. Yeah, went like to one the division, went to the Pro Bowl. Wish it would have worked out, you know, but it, at that time, things were just, there's some differences of where I wanted to be in my career. And Snyder, he, you know, they gave me the opportunity to come back with, uh, with Marty Schottenheimer being as the head coach. So it wasn't like, it wasn't a turmoil, like people okay. made out to be between me and Dan Snyder. It, it wasn't really that. There's differences of opinion on certain things, but not, not that. I think they were just in transition of who's the next head coach and who the certain players right. that they want to have. So, I just made a business decision for me. It wasn't a, wasn't a hard, wasn't a, it wasn't nothing 
wasn't a, a bad feeling. It was just time to move on. But it is funny how hard it is to find that guy and, you know, and, and how important it is to find that guy. Because I'll be honest, like when before you came to Washington, they had been looking for a guy. They had Heath, they had Gus, they had Trent for half a year as a starter. But I remember Norv basically like, if I can get that guy to operate this offense, watch. And you kind of right. like, okay, okay. And then you come in and it's like, oh, wow, that's what it should look like. But it's right. hard to that, find that, that guy. That's and Troy Aikman playing there. That that was what I was told going into that. I felt my style of play, like we talked about earlier, right? The play action style, the take the shots, find the check downs when you need them. I did feel like it was a great fit. You know, we won the division the next year, just kind of up and down, end up seven and four as a starter. Sometimes you got to give, you got to have a little patience, right? Too. You know what I mean? It's not just all on the quarterback, it's not just all on the line, it's not all on the defense. Like it's a team team game, it really is. And things were, you know, Charlie Castle is the one that made the trade for me. He wasn't there. Then you right. fired Norv. And, like, it was just in transition. So, it didn't work out. It was unfortunate. I, I wish it would have worked out and I could have played a 10-year career there. It's where I wanted to be. But at the end of the day, we all went on our separate ways. We all had successful careers. Yeah. It, it's hard, you know, for, for Washington. They, they have drafted, I think, three guys early, maybe Patrick yeah. Ramsey and Robert Griffith and Kirk Cousins. And then um, Dwayne, Dwayne Haskins. You know, you got to be patient with those guys. You do. And there's got to be a plan for them. Right. And then then you hope it's, you know, you get into a, a deal with Kirk Cousins and it's a contract deal. Right. There's an injury deal with Robert Griffith. Like, every situation is different. So I feel like intentional, they've made some good moves. It just – but there's been a lot of movement yes. with either general managers or coaches yep. or players or, like, just having the right fit, just just taking their time. So I honestly feel they have a chance to grow right now. Obviously, yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's older, but then I do feel like they got the right general manager right and the right head coach right. So I hope it works out well for them. Last thing, Brad, and I appreciate your time. And I and I and I always enjoy talking to you. So this is this is fun for me. But how is your health? I mean, you played a long time. You know, I know that you had some knee issues back in the day. How are how is your health? Health-wise, I'm making my TikToks. So I'm staying healthy. I'm moving around. I can play golf. I Good. can do those things. But I will need two knee replacements. No doubt about that. Probably sooner rather than later. I grind it hard on the field and workouts, uh, playing every sport you could do, whatever yeah. I had to do to be there. But my, I will do two knee replacements. But other than that, I'm pretty healthy. Are you still in your early risers basketball league? Well, I'm not doing that. We actually practice our high school teams at 6 a.m. every day. Oh, so we okay. do we do that, but I after <laughs> after we do practice, I'm either working out or trying to make a trick shot out in the backyard. You know? <laughs> there you go, Brad. Great catching up with you. Thanks for thanks for doing this. There you go. Appreciate it, John. Thanks, man. Thank you. Let's talk about Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest place to play fantasy football for big cash prizes. An Underdog Fantasy, you just draft. No need to worry about waivers, lineups, or injuries. Underdog handles it all for you. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft a season-long best ball team, and that's it. No in-season management. They're going to give you $25 when you sign up so you can take a free shot at a $1 million grand prize in their fantasy football tournament. That's right. You can get a free $25 in bonus cash on Underdog Fantasy if you use the code KIME, K-E-I-M, when you make your first deposit. 
I love Underdog because it's just so easy to use. The mobile app is slick. The website is user-friendly. So do what I've been doing. Go to underdogfantasy.com, join a league, draft a team, and that's it. You're good for the season. Remember, go to underdogfantasy.com, the App Store, or the Google Play Store. Sign up with the code KIME, K-E-I-M, and get a free $25 in bonus cash. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Brad for joining me, and thank you, as always, for tuning in. I'll be back with another episode after Saturday's preseason finale against Baltimore. Talk to you next time.